0: Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. I went to a Baptist high school, and at this Baptist high school, the subject of doctrine was really important. What's doctrine, you might ask? Well, it's, I guess, what you'd say is Christian studies today. Um, so for years seven, eight, nine, and 10, we went through fairly in depth through some of the books of the Bible and looked at all sorts of things around theology. So it comes up to the uh, to time to think about prayer. And uh, one of the teachers who was teaching us used this acronym, ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Now, I don't know why the word supplication was used, Uh, except for sometimes acronyms are so important. You want to keep that together. But um, supplication was simply this idea of asking. I don't know why we didn't use the word ask, but um, some people will use supplication. Some will say asking. Some will say petition. But it's all this idea of a type of prayer where you're asking God for something. So we're, we're learning about acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, which was great really good things. I mean, it's echoed in the Lord's Prayer. But it was a really interesting thing is that in the middle of this doctrine lesson, there was almost this sense of the first three types of prayer to be engaged with all the time. But you want to be careful about how much you engage with this idea of asking God. It stuck with me for many years. It's almost like devaluing this idea of asking. I don't know if you've maybe experienced something like that. Um, It's not hard to Experience this. There's a whole bunch of worship songs out about maybe 10 years, 20 years ago, and a lot of them were about God, we want you for who you are and not what you can do for us. And when we think about songs like that, I think the intent is great. But anytime we devalue this idea of asking God, we can actually set up this economy in our heads where we're like, we can do as much worship and confession and thanksgiving as you want. But be careful how much you ask God. And I think that is where that's a really challenging thought for us to think through. And you might maybe even subconsciously have that sort of two-tiered way of thinking about prayer sitting in your mind or your heart. If you've ever uh, interacted with uh, an atheist in an online forum, you probably experienced this little bit of pressure as well. Often you'll be referred to as a God-botherer. It's this idea that Christians bother God by asking him stuff all the time. So maybe you felt a bit of pressure around this as well. I know sometimes when I think about living in the first world and what some of the things we ask God for, we can feel sometimes maybe a little bit of pressure of like, is it right to ask? I mean, I know of people who over the years have asked God and, and prayed about and told me about things that we might think, hmm, maybe that's a little bit excessive. So that sometimes sets up in our heart and our mind this idea that asking prayers are to be devalued a little bit, or they're not quite as important as adoration and praise and confession and thanksgiving. But I feel like the Bible wants to push back a little bit on that idea of these two levels of how important these prayers are. And if you might say to yourself, oh, not me, that's that's not me. I, I feel fairly shameless or empowered or bold around this idea of asking God. I just want to just get you to pause for a moment and think to yourself, when was the last time that you asked somebody a big favour? Not just something that they could easily do, something that was really going to cost them. I'd be surprised if you didn't have even just a little bit of nervousness in your heart as you approach that person and ask this favour. Because it almost seems like there's something that's in us that we do struggle with the idea of asking. Um, Our cultural context is we live in a, a country that in many ways is the element of being self-made and independent. We we really uh, we really value those things of being able to be to make things happen. And in many ways, we devalue the idea of having to ask. There's something that makes us feel maybe a little bit weaker, or there's something that it's just hard to come to the point of asking. So today, what I want to do is just share some. Thoughts I have around this idea of prayers, of asking, and how do we we push back on any sort of cultural ideas that in some way they're less or they're inferior or they shouldn't be entered into and actually pick up a biblical understanding of a God who's constantly asking us to ask him. And that's where I want to go today. So come with me on a journey as I look at reframing three, three different thoughts around this whole idea of asking. The first one, the first uh, point that I really want us to consider today is this: Remember who you're talking to. I don't know if you've ever heard that saying before. Often it's used as a rebuke. You know, if um, if a child is rude to an adult, you might hear this phrase of "just remember who you're talking to," and it, it's meant to shock and to stop and to pause and to think. But I want to use it today around this idea of remember who you're talking to when you're asking. God for something. You're not asking somebody for their last $20 when you're asking God for something. You're not asking someone who's just barely making ends meet. It's really important as we think about the topic of asking prayer to think about who it is we're actually asking. So it's good to think about God, his nature and his character at this point. A couple of things that might be helpful. They're helpful for me. When God set up the universe and the system of the universe, he's out there and we're here. And he would have been well within his rights to set up a universe and a system by which he didn't communicate with humanity. He'd still be God and we'd be human and there'd be this sense of distance. But he didn't even set up a system like that. He set up something where he revealed himself to humanity. And this is is incredible. God would have been happy and content and content within himself and the Trinity to just continue through time and space. But they decided to self-reveal. And this self-revelation of the character of God, particularly when it comes around the need for humanity to ask God for things, is, is astounding. He is relational. So he wants to use the idea of asking to draw you into a deeper relationship with him. He is all-powerful. There's not a single prayer request that he's heard that he's not like, hmm, I didn't see that coming, and I'm not sure what to do about it. He's well-resourced. I don't know if you've heard that, that Bible verse, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, that's just a drop in the ocean to what he really owns. Every atom on this planet he thought of beforehand and somehow out of nothing created it. When we're talking to God, we're not asking for his last $20. He is so well resourced. And the other thing that I want us to consider is this idea that he is asking us to ask him. Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8 says this Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Just taking a step back from that to understand what this is really saying, there is a God in the universe who set up a system in which we need him desperately, and into that system he says, I'm asking you to ask me to do things that you can't do. That's astounding. It gives me a moment to pause and think, I want to be careful about devaluing this idea in my heart, in my mind, of asking God things. I feel really comfortable praising. I feel really comfortable confession and thanksgiving. In fact, they've become bedrocks for me. But you know, there's some times where I'm a little bit like, hmm, should I really ask God for this? And I think God wants us to reframe this idea and remember who we're speaking to. The God of the whole universe who owns everything and is asking us to ask him. In fact, there's this sense in, this, in this, these verses here that he asks us in three different ways to keep asking him. And then as you delve back into the original language, there's this there's a, the, it's a sense of the, the mood, the tone is of that of present continuous. So the idea, and if you look at the New Living Translation, they actually spell it out exactly as what I'm going to say here. But it's this idea of when you look at ask and it'll be given to you, it's not just ask, it's ask and keep on asking. So if you're a parent of little kids, I don't need to illustrate this in any way for you because little kids know what it is to ask and keep on asking. It's like there's no shame at all when they want something. They know how to ask and to ask and to ask, and to the point where you can feel like, ah, I'm just going to answer just to get a little bit of peace and quiet. Well, this is the sort of image that God gives us. All resourceful, all powerful, and he says, I want you to ask and then keep on asking, and ask to the point of where you can't ask anymore around the things that you need and things for the kingdom move forward. That's a powerful thought. Remember who you're talking to, a God who is all powerful and all resourced. You're not asking for his last $20. You're asking him for whatever it takes for his kingdom to be manifest here on the planet earth. The second thing that uh, I think is worth thinking through this idea, and I found, I found this helpful, is that asking is the pinnacle of humility. Sometimes we sort of, uh, a little bit like this, oh, who am I? I couldn't possibly ask. Who am I? And actually what's happening when we say things like that, who am I to ask, it's actually this false humility because the focus of that sentence is actually who am I? So it's actually that, that thought is all about me and not about who he is. I think false humility manifests itself in a way of saying, who am I? I couldn't possibly ask. And God, what humility is, is completely the opposite. Think about our resources to get a job done. As humans, sometimes if you've you've grown up with means, then this can be tougher for you because sometimes it feels like, man, I have got what I need to pull off the things that God's put in my heart to do. But if you haven't, then you're very aware that you don't have what you need. But the, the truth is this. In order to see the gospel to go into every single nation, to see everything that God is desiring the kingdom to do across this planet. We don't have the resources for that. He does. So this idea of true humility is actually saying, I don't actually have what I need. I'm very needy, but I know one who has all those resources. And I think that's what true humility is. True humility is actually saying, I don't have what I need in order to get the job done. I'll go and ask the one who is all powerful. I'm limited in power. I'm limited in resource. I'm limited in ideas. I'm limited in in the ability to execute things. But there's one who isn't. As a self-funded missionary many years ago, I found this out in a really, not so much painful way, but just it became so true to me. As a self-funded missionary at times with YWAM and at times church planning, the method we'd use would be write letters to people who probably had more resources than us and ask them to help us do the work of the kingdom. And I've got to say that um, I didn't really enjoy that process at all. It was probably some of the most anxiety-producing and humble, humility-producing moments of my life. As you pen this letter with this incredible, almost utter dependence saying, help me. I didn't really enjoy it very much. But, you know, it did help me to realize I was still full of a whole bunch of pride. But it also made it really clear that this idea that God has all resource and me asking him is actually the pinnacle of humility. And that's the place where he wants us to be, completely and utterly saying, God, Unless you come and move in this moment, move in this resourcing moment, then I've got nothing. And it's a beautiful place to be. So asking is actually at that most pinnacle point of humility where we understand that God is completely resourced and we are under-resourced and we come to him and ask. The third thing that I just want to talk to you about and just spend a few more minutes on this is around this idea in Luke 18, verse one to eight, and you can read along. I'm in the new, um, the NIV. If you want to follow along, so I'll give you a moment just to find that. And I'm just going to look at this whole idea of I think probably one of the most important things about asking prayer. Now, you know, you could talk about asking prayer for hours and hours on end. There's so much in the Bible. There's so many stories of God answering asking prayer. But so I've had to just narrow it down to just a few thoughts. And I think one of the most important thoughts around asking prayer is this idea of persistence. So I'm going to read the passage. I encourage you, if you want, you can read along. If you're just sitting there by yourself, feel free to verbally read along with me. And then I just want to share a few thoughts from this, and then we're going to tie it up. When Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up, he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, he even said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Verse 6. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? A couple of things in here that I just want to discuss this morning. The first one is that um, that Luke makes it really clear what this parable is about. Now, lots of parables in the Gospels. Uh, You're sort of left with, um, it could be about this and it could be about that. But Luke makes sure that there's an editorial comment at the beginning of this parable to make it really clear what it's about. Uh, At Bible College, we were discussing this parable one time and there was lots of different opinions about what it was saying. But you can't actually go past the author's editorial comment. And it's basically saying this. He's saying that this parable is all about that we should pray and not give up. So as far as Luke is concerned... What Jesus is talking about is this idea of when you ask for something, you need to keep asking for it and keep asking for it and keep asking for it. So for Luke, he's saying it's all about assistance. Now, this is, I guess, compared to other qualities that we might say are really important for asking prayer. So the next passage after that, we won't go into it, but the next passage after this, uh, Jesus tells a story about going into the temple and somebody prays with a bit of pride and someone prays with a lot of humility. So it's couched in there. And so you might say, yeah, humility is an important thing. It is. Or you could even think about the wider context of the Gospels in which the Pharisees were often praying to be noticed by people. So There's a whole bunch of different characteristics that we would say is important for asking prayer. What Luke has wanted to say in the midst of that context is the idea of perseverance and asking and keep on asking is a paramount thing to seeing prayers answered. The second thing I'd say about this is that um, it's a parable. And so the analogy breaks down a little bit. So it's important at that point, And I've heard people say, well, God is like the judge. Well, God is a judge. He reveals himself as judge. But in this circumstance, the parable breaks down a little bit in saying that, no, you can't say that God is the judge. It's tempting, but he's not because as Jesus tells this parable, he's making it very clear that this judge is actually very much the anti the characteristics of God. Doesn't fear God, doesn't doesn't listen to him. And then in verse 7, he says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? So it's this comparison of comparing an earthly judge who didn't fear God with God himself. So that's a really important thing to understand In this passage, that the judge is not God. Now, I've heard people say this. uh, I'm not going to ask God for X because I know what he's like. He'll give me Y. I'm not going to ask him to go here because I know what he's like. He'll make me go over there. And to that, I'd say it's a very flawed understanding of the character of God. It's completely flawed. In fact, it's almost like bringing in worldviews of other gods and deities and imposing them on Jesus. It's not what he's like. It's not his character. What this is trying to say is that the God we serve is so much better than even this earthly judge. So we should ask more. A couple of more things in here that I just think are worth noticing. It says here, those who cry out to him night and day. It's an interesting verse, this one. There's this idea of when we ask, we cry out to him night and day. I don't know if you've done much crying out to God night and day. Um, I've been uh, maybe a few times in my life in all-night prayer meetings. Uh, They were fantastic, but, I mean, I was exhausted by the end of it. But could you imagine praying nonstop over time? This this verse, actually, this verse in Luke 18 has fueled prayer movements across the planet. Things like um, the the next series we're going to do in our connect groups, we're going to look at this prayer course. It's from the guys who started 24-7 prayer in England. And this verse is one of those important verses for those movements across the planet because it says this idea of those who cry out to him day and night. There's this spiritual warfare element to it, which the next series we're going to do on spiritual warfare, so I won't steal thunder there. But it's an important thing about this idea that when we ask, it's not just us and God, but there's also spiritual elements in there as well that go to battle around our asking. We're going to have a whole series on that, so I won't steal that. A couple more things to notice here is that the inference around this prayer is justice focused. And when we think about justice focused prayers, then God's will is so clear. God's will is so revealed in his word, the word of God, it's so clear around justice prayers. He wants to prevail on a justice perspective. But not every prayer that we pray when it comes to asking is necessarily a justice focused prayer. And so it becomes this whole thing of but what about other needs? I do think at this point we can take the context of a justice focused asking and widen it to a wider asking of whatever we need because there's other passages in the bible that talk about your needs and the things you resources you need. So, yes, this passage has got a justice focus, but I think the rest of the gospel encourages to think about more than just that. Mind you, there are outer barriers as well. The Bible tells us that if we're asking all the time for our own selfish gain, then we shouldn't expect God to answer those prayers. So there is a point by which asking outside of stuff that is gospel focused and needs driven is something that is not to be encouraged. Last couple of things. Verse eight just says this, and verse eight feels a little bit like, oh, how does this fit in here? It feels like it shouldn't even be included. But it says this. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I think the way we understand this verse is that God is looking for a people who will twenty four seven cry out to Him, asking for justice and for resources to be poured out, asking for the kingdom to come. And that God's intention is that when a son of man comes a second time, he'll come into an environment by which the church has captured this idea of 24-7 prayer and constant asking. And what faith looks like in this context is continuing to ask. I, I grew up with some, uh, some people in the word of faith movement, I think it was it was called. Anyway, and they would say to me, When you pray for something and ask God for something, pray once and never pray that prayer ever again because otherwise you're moving in the opposite of faith. And when I was young, and so I didn't know how to critique that very well. But I actually, more now, I think when I look at this passage and this idea of that faith is manifest in the persistent asking of God for his kingdom to come in areas of justice and also areas of provision for the kingdom to manifest. That is what faith is continually asking from a place of humility to one who is completely resourced. The Moravians were a small group of Christians who, in the year 1727, started a 24 7 prayer movement. They just signed up one hour each, 24 hours. And you think, um, I think they might have been responding to a passage like Luke 18. Anyway, they didn't just pray for a few years. They didn't just pray for a few weeks. They didn't just pray for a decade or two. The prayer meeting actually went unbroken for 107 years. So from 1727 to 1834, they prayed nonstop for 107 years, asking God for pouring out of his spirit upon the planet. And from that prayer movement was one of the greatest missionary movements that the planet has ever seen. God delights in answering prayer, and he delights in answering asking prayers. He delights in answering asking prayers that's full of humility, understanding who he is, and full of persistence. So I guess as I finish now, and I just think about this, is there something that you stopped praying about that God once had in your heart? Is there something that you put down through disappointment or through maybe your faith felt like it got small? Is there something that you put down that God wants you to pick up today? I can think of some of the prophetic words God's spoken in my life. I can think about some of the things I used to pray passionately for. But something happened. Something dried up in me. Something became stilted. And I think the call of God to us today is to think about what are the things that we laid down that were perfectly within his will and we stopped praying about. We stopped moving in persistence. To see these things happen. I love hearing stories about spouses who prayed for twenty years, and the other spouse got saved, and and things like that. It's, it's it's a really encouraging thing. But what would have happened if the day before breakthrough they stopped praying? See, the day before breakthrough for you will feel like just any other day. It'll feel like a day where there's ups and downs. It'll feel like there's day maybe dis- disappointments and discouragement. It'll feel emotional like any other day. But you don't know that the moment of breakthrough might be just one day away if we persist. And I want to pray just now with you and just take a moment and just think about this idea. Have we put down the things that God told us to pick up? And now is a moment for you to pick up the things, the asking prayers that you may have put down. So where you are right now, I'd encourage you just maybe to to, just just move forward a little bit. If you're on your lounge, just come to the edge of, of your lounge, wherever you are. And just maybe put your hands out. And I'd encourage you to close your eyes and say, Jesus, would you show me the prayers that I've put down on the ground that you want me to pick up again? I'd encourage you in the next few moments to just have a moment of silence and say, Jesus, what do you want me to pick up that I put down? What do you want me to keep asking that I stopped asking you about? What is the aspect of your character that you want to give me revelation around? Is there self-reliance happening in my heart or is there humility? Holy Spirit, come and show us the prayers that we used to pray with such enthusiasm and dedication and yet something slipped and you're wanting us to pick these up again and you're wanting us to ask with humility, a full understanding of who you are, the God who asks us to ask you and you're wanting us to come with perseverance, We want to thank you, Father, that we never know the day of breakthrough until it comes. Give us a renewed perseverance in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.